When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, welcome back. So I want to take some time today to not only talk about the coronavirus, uh, COVID-19, SARS-CoV-2, whatever you want to call it, uh, because I've talked about that plenty in past podcasts, and that's going to be a fixture of this podcast for a, a while. As I said, you know, I looked the other day, I think the first time I mentioned it all the way back on January 21st. Now I could check. Maybe I maybe I mentioned it before that, but I took some time to talk about it on the 21st. And, you know, since then, I've said I'm going to keep talking about this because not only is this like a huge global event, I've even called it, you know, potentially a defining event of our generation when it's all said and done because of the ways it could change things, but also economically, financially speaking, markets, precious metals has a huge impact, right? So the second half of this, I, I want to also talk about uh, the markets, right? The Dow Jones, obviously, the U.S. stock markets have just tanked. This week, I mean, every every single day, I don't know if there's an update, but as a whole, huge drop. But guess what? Precious metals have kind of been moving that same direction as well, especially today. And by kind of, I mean a lot. It's been a bloodbath, right? Silver was, what, up over 19, around 19 not that long ago. Now it's below $17 a, a barrel uh, an ounce, right? And gold, you know, although that ratio has increased, that gold to silver ratio, gold's come down quite a bit too. So I want to talk about that as well. But quick, let's do an update, bit of a... Well, I can give you numbers, but let's do a bit of an analysis, I guess, too, on these numbers, this continued progression of this pandemic, because it is a pandemic. I don't know if the barely even pay attention to what the who says anymore about what it is, but it's it's a pandemic. So quick review outside of China, because we know those numbers are suspect, to say the least. Um, and, and by the way, I think China, the situation in China is probably getting better because of all these quarantines. Now, better relative to what? Well, I think the what was was a situation that was far worse than the numbers that were being reported weeks ago. Far, far worse. You know, there was that one day where we had like 14,000 new cases. And I think that was the only day that even came close to representing the true situation in China. But I'm sure within their borders, they've been successful in bringing down the r not to, you know, closer to one, meaning that, you know, it's not increasing, you know, the, the number of cases, uh, active cases aren't increasing, maybe, I don't know. If, if it's at one or lower, I don't know where it's at now. Um, they're certainly amped up to, or at least the government is, to get everyone back to work uh, because of the economic impact of this and the supply chain disruptions. And and look, this is going to be endemic probably worldwide for years and years to come. And, and China certainly is going to be endemic. And so you have to understand that by doing so, even with masks, even with precautions, it's still going to spread. And that are not, let's say, let's say hypothetically, they had it down to 1.5 right now or 0.8 or whatever. It's going to come back up again. And, and that's going to be something they have to deal with, right? So it's really a, a question of how long do we do we keep these things closed. And But anyways, that's China. I'm not going to go over their numbers because they're really inconsequential. Um, outside of China, though, we have a little more confidence in some of these numbers. Uh, South Korea, first of all, that's kind of number two hot spot. Uh, again, a week or two ago, it was just a 
what, a couple dozen cases. But now uh, over 2,300 as I record by the time you hear this over the weekend or later this evening. I'm, I'm recording this a little afternoon central time here in the United States. That number is probably going to be over you know, 25 or 3,000, 2,500, 3,000 plus. 16 deaths, probably more to come as this continues to progress unfortunately and by probably i mean it's it's a sure thing it's just a matter of how high that ratio is going to move up italy uh moving up on a thousand 821 cases 21 deaths and again if you look at the ratio 16 in south korea 21 in italy uh you know as chris martinson said maybe this is mutating maybe i don't know more likely i mean that's always a possibility more likely it's that there's just more cases in Italy that haven't been caught or, or more deaths in, in South Korea that haven't been caught or, or both. or uh, Japan, 226, um, not counting the Diamond Princess, five deaths. Uh, who was it this morning or last night? I forget. I was listening to, and, and they're growing doubtful of Japan's numbers potentially covering up, and, and I wouldn't doubt that. But again, probably a little more faith in that than, than China. Iran, 388 cases, but... 34 deaths. Now, Italy and South Korea, I'd say their healthcare systems are probably comparable. Iran's maybe not quite as good, but you know, 34 deaths plus probably more that have been are, are maybe more likely to have gone undetected or unreported. That is pretty high relative to their cases. So maybe it's mutated. More likely, they're just missing a ton. I mean, you have a you have like officials, high-ranking officials in Iran now contracting this, which signifies that the the case count is probably in the, I don't know, tens of thousands, maybe over 100,000 by now. You never know. I mean, if you have high-ranking officials that are now becoming infected. Hong Kong, Singapore, you know, again, Chris Martinson over at Peak Prosperity, they talk about those two spots, which early on had quite a few cases, still actually under 100 cases in each of those two deaths in Hong Kong, none in Singapore. Maybe they're controlling it better. Maybe they're just, we're missing it. It's hard to say. But, you know, smaller um, areas, uh, potentially easier to to administer um, good quarantine or good prevention procedures versus a sprawling country like China, the United States, or even, you know, Italy, right? And then going down the line, um, I'll get to the United States here in a second, but, but in Europe, you know, we're kind of seeing a general increase. You know, we now have 48 cases in Germany, um, let's see here, 19 in the UK, 41 in France, uh, uh, 32 in Spain, you know, and, and others, you know, we're seeing some in Sweden, Finland, I think, uh, Norway may, in Norway has four, uh, you know, most European countries now have some cases. And I think that, you know, in an Italy style outbreak is probably occurring as we speak in at least some of those countries, we just don't know it yet. And then of course there's the other ones that have maybe cases, maybe not, but it's, you know, three in India. That's, that's scary to me. Meaning what I mean by that is, is, uh, well, I'm not scared, I guess, but that is concerning because what that signifies to me is they're just not testing for it. They're not looking for it because it's undoubtedly in India. If it's in South Korea and, and, and Japan, in Iran, in Italy, the United States, it's it's in India, right? Same thing goes for the Philippines. Three cases, one death. Three in India, by the way. Um, you know, one in Nepal, one in Cambodia, one in Sri Lanka. Uh, what does Thailand have? 16 in Vietnam, 25 in Malaysia, 41 in Thailand. I mean, it's, it's almost laughable if it wasn't so tragic for what's eventually or potentially already going on 
in those countries. And then Mexico, actually, uh, two cases, two cases in Mexico, um, again, with probably most of Africa. By the way, we had a case in Nigeria that came up, but most of Iceland, I mentioned that yesterday, Iceland doesn't have cases, but they do now, one case. But but uh, South America, Africa, Central America, uh, many of those countries in those continents probably have cases and they're just undetected, right? Not unlike India or something like that. So, um, but Mexico now two cases, probably, probably more, right? And then the United States, two more cases in the United States, bringing our total officially to 62. But again, remember, I mean, we're, we're, the CDC is really still not testing for it in large numbers. I think they're, they're slowly, but surely loosening up their, um, loosening up their their i guess criteria to test for i mean that was a big problem with with some of these other um um, ones that they just dropped the ball on um but they're still far behind in this game and it's it's sort of uh you know what was my title for my podcast yesterday you know what you don't know can still hurt you i mean that's kind of the case for the united states Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. But believe me when I say that on the financial side, they're on top of this. Go through the numbers. The Dow Jones, as I speak around noontime today, um, is still down over 600 points. But, you know, to put that in perspective, if you look over, you know, the last month, it was at a high of over 29,000. Currently, the Dow Jones is trading just above 25,000, 25,162.2 right now, as I speak, down well over 10% now. You know, we had the thousand point drop on Monday, um, called, uh, what was it, 800, I think, on Tuesday. Wednesday, I think, was the down day. Thursday was down over 1,200, and today, down over 600. We'll get a balance eventually, I'm sure. That's a huge drop. And granted, it was already from extremely overvalued levels. But I think this is more than just a correction. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, when when you have a, a very active Fed willing to, to stop these stock market crashes, you know, it, they're always willing to intervene. I get that, right? And and they probably will at some point with interest rate cuts. You know, Janet Yellen recently said maybe the Fed's going to be buying stocks in the next downturn, which, by the way, this is the next downturn she's referring to. Uh I mean, those are all potential things that could boost the stock market. But but on its face, I mean, that's that's pretty bad. Um, I'll check over on the, the, the bond side of things. The last time I checked, by the way, I was looking yesterday on the bond side of things. It's hard to get these numbers. You know, if I had like a Bloomberg trading desk or something, maybe they have better statistics on this. But but something like 14, maybe more, trillion dollars worth of negative yielding debt worldwide, which is a huge number. Not a record high, actually, but still a huge number. But the U.S. 10-year at record low yields, as low as 1.15%. Currently a little over 1.16% as I speak here. Record lows. 
That's mass. I mean, that's so low. Again, we're talking about the entire U.S. yield curve, which I think is pretty inverted, most of it. But also, um, a lot of it's negative in, in real terms. Meaning, if you relate to inflation, uh, it's it's very negative. I'll check the 30-year here, too, for just for kicks. Uh, 1.676% as I speak. Right, Record low. Record low for the... Uh, for the 30 year as well. So is this a crisis? I think so. I mean, the stock market is at a correction. Yeah, but but I mean, these types of moves in the bond market are not something that happens lightly. Now, I mean, is this a good buy? I mean, if you bought bonds a week ago, yeah, you're doing pretty good. Who cares about the yield? The price has gone up quite a bit. But I think this kind of plays into to my thoughts on precious metals. Just as a quick review, as I speak, silver trading 1654 currently. Gold is actually all the way down uh, to 1578. Not that long ago, it was knocking on the door of 1700. It's below 1600 now. And of course, the ratio has continued to, to really uh, blow out, I guess, over the last couple days even. Um, currently trading around a 95 to 1 ratio. Pretty big move up. Now, what does this mean for silver and gold long term? Well, first of all, why is this happening? I mean, this could be like a, you know, so many people have been comparing this to like a Lehman type moment, a black swan. I mean, this really, who saw this coming? I mean, if 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 the corporate bond sector had collapsed, there have been plenty of people that saw that coming. Is that a black swan at that point? I don't know. But a pandemic, people predict them, but not with accuracy in terms of timing. This came out of nowhere. And uh, I think that qualifies it as a black swan on the scale of the Lehman Brothers collapse, which... I'm sure more people saw it coming than this pandemic. Um, so basically, you know, what happened back then, though, how this relates to silver and gold is that you kind of had to sell off in everything at that point in time. Everything was was dropping, including precious metals. They dropped very significantly. And, and they ended up being a great buy because, you know, over the next couple of years, they had a huge move to the upside. And I think that's the same for silver and gold right now. It, it'll take some people uh, time sometimes to realize it. No, the ratio is coming up and, and there's that economic impact on silver that I, I'll talk about here in a second. But first of all, going back to the bond market, bonds suck right now. They're hugely overvalued. And, and yeah, you, they were overvalued a week ago and, and, and five weeks ago and, and a couple of years ago, but, uh, you know, relative to the fundamentals, but that yield could drop further. But you have to understand that one of the big catalysts for gold in 2019 was dropping yields. Negative yielding debt and low yielding debt is generally positive for gold and silver because, you know, if they're both safe haven assets, why wouldn't you pick silver or gold that at least isn't yielding you a negative rate in the case of, you know, Japanese or a lot of European bonds? Not negative yet in terms of, of nominal rates here in the United States, but negative in terms of real rates. So that's eventually going to have an impact once people realize that, hey, why would I buy a U.S. bond at 1.15%, which is, even by official inflation numbers, negative yielding. And that's a 10-year bond, right? Why would I buy it unless I think it's going to go up in price or I'm a financial institution and I have to hold so much of this in terms of reserves or whatever, right? So it's going to push silver and gold up eventually. And just because of this turmoil, the stock market drop and everything, yeah, silver and gold are going to go up. On the silver side of things, though, I mean, believe me, there will be plenty of people, I'm sure, if they aren't already, talking about how this is because this is, you know, the economic impact of this 
COVID-19, which is huge already and it's only going to continue to grow, the economic impact of this. But does that mean that silver should be trading down this much? Well, just to put this in perspective, we can say 50 to 60% of silver demand is industrial in nature. Meaning that if the economy drops a ton and, and GDP goes you know, negative growth, and well, yeah, you're, you're probably going to have a decline in demand for silver. But there's more to that story. There's the investment side of things, which I'll talk about here in a second. Um, but there's also the supply side of things. Now, you have to understand that anywhere from, I don't know the most recent numbers, probably 70 to 80% of silver supply comes as a byproduct from either a copper, lead, zinc, or gold mine. Right? So we'll erase gold from that. And let's just say 65, maybe, I don't know, 60, 65% comes from a base metal byproduct mine. Copper, lead, or zinc. Well, what happens when the economy slows down and the demand, industrial demand for just general products, including these metals, drops by 50%? Hypothetical. Maybe sounds extreme, but I mean, if, if we're to believe what's happening in China, it could, could be a reality. Maybe 20%. We'll say 50% just for, the, just for the purposes of this. Well, that means a 50% drop in the demand for silver, which means overall you'd have a 25, maybe plus percent drop in the overall demand for silver. Because, you know, industrial is only 50 to 60% of that overall demand picture. A 50% drop in demand for the industrial side of copper, lead, and zinc is a 50% drop across the board because they're basically 100% base metal uh, industrial demand. Meaning that, that supply is going to drop a ton for silver too. Maybe not as much as, as demand, industrial demand. But then there's also the investment side of things as well. That crises like this tend to drive people to safe haven assets. You've seen that in the bond market. But you're going to see it even in just terms of physical demand for silver and gold, I think. And, and that's really the other side of the picture. So there's also the question of how much of supply for silver is going to dry up to um, on the mining side because of mine closures along the ways and, and disruptions. You know, think Central and South America, which apparently haven't been hit yet, but, but most likely have. We just don't know it yet by this COVID-19. They're going to feel it as well. So as always, I'd like to thank you from the bottom of my heart for tuning in to today's podcast. Hope you guys all have a great weekend. Stay up to date on all this stuff. And God bless.